Genesis chapter 41. Genesis in chapter 41. Last week we talked about the sovereignty of God. Uh, Chris, if you could bring up the, that first slide, I'd appreciate it. <clears throat> okay, last week, here, here, here is our timeline uh, uh, for Joseph's life, or excuse me, God's timeline for Joseph's life. Again, we talked about the sovereignty of God revealed uh, to Joseph. Uh, I made this statement last week that um, chapter 41 of the book of Genesis is not about Joseph. It's not about the dream of, of Pharaoh. It's not about Pharaoh, but it's about the sovereignty of God. Uh, Warren, Warren Wearsby wrote this, uh, uh, If any chapter in Genesis reveals the sovereignty of God, it is this one. So my conclusion, in my thinking anyway, uh, is this. The, the story we're about to read, the following, we're still in chapter 41, but as we continue through chapter 41, uh, let, let me see if, you're, if my logic, you agree with my logic, okay? Because this, this is kind of important. Well, let, let me put it to you this way. As I was studying, I, as I was studying, <clears throat> one of the commentators that I read said this about the, the section that we're getting ready to study. He said, he entitled it Joseph's Response to Pharaoh. Okay? Now, and if you weren't here last week, uh, the, uh, Pharaoh had a dream, uh, actually two dreams, and... <clears throat> He's confused. Nobody can tell him the answer, the, 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 the interpretation of the dreams. So his butler says, hey, wait a minute, I know a guy. And uh, they, they bring Joseph in. And where we are getting ready to read is when Joseph gives the response to the dream. So the, the, the commentator said Joseph's response to Pharaoh and I, and I thought, wait a minute, that's not right. Because if God gave, the sovereignty of God gave the dreams to Pharaoh, then what we are about to read is not Joseph's response to Pharaoh, but isn't it Joseph's response to the sovereignty of God? Does that, does that make logical sense? Because if it's, if it's Joseph's response to Pharaoh, then that's a human responding to another human. But the sovereignty of God is in play here. So we have to keep in mind that Joseph's response was to the sovereignty of God, not to another man. And hopefully, as we progress here, this, this will make sense. So let's read. Uh, chapter 41, um, verse 14, and let, let's start in verse 14. And Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came into Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee, that thou canst understand a dream to, inter to interpret it. And, and Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, 
it is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to come together and to spend some time in the Word of God. And hopefully my prayer is that we would grow because of our time together this morning. So thankful and grateful for this opportunity to share my heart. We love you and we thank you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The title of my message is Joseph's Response to the Sovereignty of God. Joseph's Response to the Sovereignty of God. My point is this. If we respond to circumstances and situations apart from the sovereignty of God, then we will we we respond in our own ability. Does that make sense? But if we respond to situations and circumstances fully aware of the sovereignty of God in our lives, then our response will be in the spirit or more importantly, with his power. See, so often we get into circumstances and situations and we we fail to realize that God is alive and well in our lives. And we react out of our own abilities. But Joseph never does this. This is one of the characteristics of Joseph that we see over and over and over play out in his life. Joseph's response to Pharaoh was was in full awareness that God was in control of the situation. How do I know that? Well, we just read it in verse 16. And Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, It is not in me, it is not my ability to answer you. It is the sovereignty of God working in your life. And so often we, we get in situations where, where we feel like we have to solve the problem. We can never forget that God is in control. How many of you this morning would say God is in control? Okay, why do we not live like that? And the reality is I'm as guilty as everybody in this room. We say that God is in control, but we don't live it. But Joseph did. (coughs) Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 18, it says, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Now, I want to stop right here. Can you back up, Chris? Uh, Those of you that have been around here for a long time have heard this, this, this definition But those of you that haven't heard this, I want to stop for a second and explain this. It says, see then that ye walk circumspectly. That is not a word that we use regularly in our 21st century vernacular. At least I don't. So I heard a a pastor one time uh, define the word circumspectly. The word circumspectly, every time you see it in the Bible... 
if you think of this, it'll help you understand what God is trying to get you to understand. The word circumspectly, picture this. A cat walking along a the top of a fence with a bulldog on either side of the fence. Now, what is that cat going to do? He's going to walk circumspectly. He, every step that that cat makes it is going to be very deliberate, very specific. That is how God wants us to walk. That is the, that is the best de definition of the word circumspectly. So think of a cat. See then that he walks circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Choose every step in your life carefully. That's how God wants us to live. The, uh, the, it goes on. Uh, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine with success, but be filled with the Spirit. And when we are filled with the Spirit, we can walk circumspectly. And when life happens, situations change, our response is one that is a spirit-filled response, not a see-what-I-can-do response. As we continue reading, I'm going to, <clears throat> I'm not going to read these verses for time's sake, but I'm going to just basically tell you what it, in verses 17 to 24, uh, Joseph comes in like we just read, and, and, and Pharaoh tells him the dream, verses 17 to 24, um, <clears throat> basically he says, he says, Hey, look, I was standing, the dream is this. I was standing on the side of a river and out of the river came seven fat, healthy cows and they started grazing in a meadow and then seven <clears throat> skinny, uh, sickly cows came out of the same river and ate the healthy cows. And at that point, the Pharaoh woke up and then he, he goes back to sleep and after he goes back to sleep, the second dream comes to him, and, and uh, uh, it says, And seven good and plump ears of corn sprang up on one stalk. And, and as I was reading that this week, I, now I'm not a farmer, okay? Trust me, you, this is not a farmer, okay? Um, but I, I do remember one thing. I have a friend who is a farmer. Uh, this guy uh, farms in Iowa, or, or uh, uh, excuse me, not Iowa, Illinois, and he's a corn farmer. And he raises corn and hundreds and hundreds of acres of corn is what he raises. And I remembered asking him one day, I said, how many ears of corn grow on a single stalk? Anybody know the answer? One, if you're lucky, maybe two. Now, I didn't know that. I figured it, it would have multiple. But no, for every stalk of corn, one ear of corn grows. Maybe you'll get a second one. But in this dream, he has one stalk, but seven ears of corn. Which is obviously very troubling to, to him because that's not natural. Then the, the, the second part of the dream is then, then 
uh, seven ears of corn pop up that are withered and, and no good. And the seven bad ears devour the seven good ears. And, and he wakes up and he's, and, he's, and he's totally distraught trying to figure out what's going on. He calls his counselors together. They can't answer the question. That's why they bring in Joseph. So this morning, very quickly, and I'm running out of time here, um, we're going to look at Joseph's response to the sovereignty of God. We, we're going to see three specific ways Joseph responds to the sovereignty of God in this situation. The first one is the interpretation, verse 25. <clears throat> and Joseph said unto Pharaoh, the dream of Pharaoh is one. God has showed Pharaoh what, is about, what he is about to do. The seven good uh, kind or cows are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven, year, uh, seven years. The dream is one, and the seven thin and ill-favored kind that uh, came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty ears blasted with the east wind shall be seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh, what God is about to do. He showeth unto Pharaoh, behold, there uh, come seven years of great plenty throughout the land of Egypt, and there shall arise after them seven years of famine, and all the plenty shall be uh, forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine shall consume the land and the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason that the famine follow, for it shall be very grievous. So he starts off by telling Pharaoh, look, <clears throat> the two dreams are actually one dream. Now this does something for Pharaoh because th this, this reaffirms, if you would, to Pharaoh that these dreams are not random, but they have a purpose. But in verse 24, um, uh, let, let's, let's read verse 24. And then uh, the thin ears uh, devoured the seven uh, good ears. And I told this uh, unto the magicians, uh, but there was none that could declare it unto me. So here Joseph has the ability to understand the dream and interpret it for Pharaoh. <clears throat> God wants Pharaoh to know the future. Think about this for a second. God is giving Pharaoh a look into the future. 14 years. 14 years. I don't have 14 fingers. Okay? 14 years. God is giving Pharaoh a, a look into the future. And I, I, I was sitting there thinking, wow, I wonder what my life is going to look like in 14 years. Have you ever thought that before? And the reality is I don't want to know. <laughs> I don't want to know. 14 years, God, God, God. And, and then, you know, as I, as I was sitting there thinking about it, I thought, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. God is not 
revealing to Pharaoh what his life is going to look like in 14 years, but he is giving Pharaoh uh, direction in his life for the next 14 years. He didn't, he didn't say, hey, Pharaoh, you're going to be doing this, you're going to be doing that, you're going to, you're going to... No, he doesn't do that. But he's giving Pharaoh direction for the next 14 years. And I thought, okay, God, I really don't want to know what my life is going to look like in 14 years, but I sure would like direction for the next 14 years. And then the Lord spoke to my heart and said, I've already given you direction. This book. This is all the direction I need. Psalm chapter 119, verse 18. Open thou mine eyes, that I might behold <clears throat> wondrous things out of thy law. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, but standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and, his and, his and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whithersoever he doeth shall prosper. This book is all the guidance that I need. God's given that to me. Now, now granted, in Joseph's life, he didn't have the word of God like we do today. And God had to reveal these things through, through prophecy and through dreams and through different things. But God used Joseph's response to the sovereignty of God to help Pharaoh know the direction that he needed to know. The next thing that we see here is an emphasis. And, and I, I, hopefully this, you, you kind of get this point because this is really, really important. <clears throat> the emphasis. God gives Pharaoh two dreams. Look, let's look at verse 32. And for the dream was double unto Pharaoh twice. It is because the thing is established by God and God will shortly bring it to pass. So why two dreams? Could, could not have God just given him the first dream Pharaoh, Pharaoh obviously was troubled by the first dream because he woke up and, and chances are really good had he just had the one dream then uh, Pharaoh would have still called all his counselors together to get an answer to the dreams but God gave him two dreams why? and, and, and Joseph even specifically addresses the fact that there were two dreams and the, and the importance of those two dreams. Let, let's look at this verse again. It says, uh, And for, for that the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. It is because. Why did you have two dreams? Because the thing is established by God and God will shortly bring it to pass. God was emphasizing to Pharaoh Pay attention to what I'm trying to tell you. Now, I'm going to, 
every time I get an opportunity, I like to share this, but this is important. When you're reading your Bible and you come across repetition, it's not there by accident. Okay? And, and, and this is a, a great Bible tool when you're, when you're reading your, your Bible. God often uses repetition to get our attention. How many of you have kids? Okay, you get my point. Okay, do, do kids listen? Okay, they hear, but they don't listen. <laughs> perfect timing, perfect timing. Okay, they, they hear, but they don't listen. How many of us listen to God? <laughs> the first time, right. Okay, yeah, I like that. Okay. God will oftentimes in Scripture use repetition to, to emphasize a point. Let me give you an example. In Isaiah chapter 6, in verse 3, And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Now, which, what is being emphasized here? The holiness of God. Now, how many of you know that God has multiple attributes? Okay? Okay? We, we, hopefully, we, we all know that. But what of all of God's attributes, which one of His attributes is the greatest? The holiness of His holiness. How do we know that His holiness is His greatest attribute? Because no other attribute of God is repeated like this. So above all the things, God is love, He's kind, He's patient, He's omnipotent, He's omnipresent. I mean, we could go on and on and on. But in, in the Bible, nowhere is any attribute repeated like His holiness. Repetition matters. And God gave him two dreams so that Pharaoh would understand the importance of what he was trying to communicate to him. Psalm chapter 119, verse, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Do you see the repetition here? Okay. A lamp under my feet and a light under my path. And now, what, what is God trying to tell us? The Word of God will guide us wherever we need to go. That is the only guidance that we need is the Word of God. I'm sure many of you have heard of Dr. David Livingston. He was a missionary to Africa. And before he started his trek through the African wilderness. He had, he had a library of 73 books that he put into, into three different crates. And <clears throat> when he started the trek, all 73 books went along with him. They totaled a, 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 in weight 180 pounds. Now, we have a hard time thinking about this because everybody uses their iPad to read nowadays. You can put hundreds of books on a... Anyway. <clears throat> but, 
But after the party had gone 300 miles, Dr. Livingston was obligated to start throwing books away. Because of the fatigue and the carrying the extra baggage, slowly he, he started discarding books. As he continued on his journey, he, 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 his library grew less and less until he was down to one book, his Bible. Dr. Livingston refused, refused to get rid of his Bible because he said this. He said, the Bible is my most prized possession. His most prized possession. And as I thought about it, I thought, wow, do I look at my Bible like that? Now, I'll be honest with you, the Bible is important to me. But is it my most prized possession? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit and to the joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. I, I got a picture for you here. I don't own one of these. Uh, I'd like to someday. I think it'd be kind of cool. Um, but this is a two-edged sword. Um, uh, the uh, Roman soldiers, it was, a, it was the weapon of choice of the Roman soldier. And what makes this weapon unique, and, and again, when Paul wrote Hebrews chapter 4, uh, the, the, everybody who read it understood what a two-edged sword was and, and how it was used. A two-edged sword, if you think about this, <clears throat> because of the shape and the, 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 the cutting ability, and I, this is really not a good picture, but it's the best one I could find. But at the, at the very end, it comes to a very, a very sharp point. So <clears throat> when a Roman soldier would, would thrust into an enemy soldier, it would pierce the um, what they call the male or the uh, the I forget what they call it. Well, you can actually see it in the background, uh, the, the the chink armor there, the, or the coat of mail. Uh, because of the point, it would actually go in and it would separate that and be able to pierce into the body of an enemy soldier. And then once inside the body of an enemy soldier, any direction that the Roman soldier moved it in, guess what it would do? It would cut. And they could literally tear someone's insides out. And a skilled soldier could do it in, in, in seconds. God likens the Word of God to that. And you think, wow, that's kind of... That's kind of gory. Well, but think about it. Doesn't the word of God pierce into the heart of men? Let, let's read this verse again, thinking about the ability of this, this weapon. Uh, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. In other words, it'll pierce and then it'll divide you. It'll cut you into pieces on the inside. 
piercing even to the dividing of asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. In other words, the word of God can get in there to the point where it can divide out. It can slice into pieces your thoughts and your intents. That's what the word of God can do in our lives if we will let it. It can lay open, if you would, and separate our motives from our deeds. Because what is more important, the deed that we do or the motive behind the deed? The motive. And the Word of God can go in and say, hey, you did a good thing, but you did it for the wrong reason. That's what the Word of God can do. Point number one, we see the interpretation. We see the emphasis. And then in verse 33 to 36, we see the instructions. Point number three, the instructions. Verse 33, Now therefore let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land and take up uh, the fifth part of the land of Egypt uh, in, in the seven plenteous years and let them gather all the food of those good years uh, that come and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh and let them uh, keep food in the cities. And that food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, which the land perish not through, through the famine. In the following verses that we'll get to probably next week, maybe, I don't know, we'll see. Um, Pharaoh appoints Joseph to be the man that he just described. Pharaoh says, okay, Joseph, you're the man. And as I, as I, uh, <clears throat> well, um, well, let, let's look at verse 37. And the thing was good in the eye of Pharaoh and, the, and, and, and in his, the eyes of his servants. So in other words, Joseph gives these instructions. He gives the interpretation. He, 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 explains to Pharaoh the importance of what God's trying to do. And then he gives him instruction. Okay, now this is what you need to do. And, and, and the information was, was, you know, Pharaoh's, in the eyes of Pharaoh and his, and his, and his um, uh, advisors, it was good. It was like, he, they're like, yes, we need to do this. And as I, as I stopped and I thought about it, I thought, wait a minute, what impressed Pharaoh and his advisors? Was it, was it Joseph's ability to interpret the dreams? I don't think so. Was it Joseph's um, understanding of the emphasis that God was trying to communicate to him? I don't think so. 
Was it the fact that he, he had a plan? You know, it's one thing to give out the information, but it's another thing to come up with a plan. I don't think so. Maybe, maybe it was just Joseph's demeanor, how he delivered the message. That, that could be part of it. But I don't, I don't think so. I think the answer to my question is in verse 38. And it is also the, the, the verse that, we've, that I've chosen for our theme this year. I am resolved. Verse 38, And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this is? a man in whom the Spirit of God is. And I believe with all my heart that the thing that impressed Pharaoh and the advisors was the fact that this young man walked with God. It wasn't his ability to interpret dreams. I don't believe that's what was it. I don't, I don't think it was because he had the answer, the, the solution to the problem. I don't believe any of that. I believe it was because Joseph walked with God. Quite simply, Joseph was a man who walked with God. Potiphar saw it, the the prison warden saw it, and Pharaoh saw it. He was a man that walked with God. F.B. Meyer wrote this, It was evident that he was speaking beneath the glow of a spirit not his own, and with a power that commanded the instant Ascent of, of the monarch and his chief advisors. Oh, that we might carry with us, even into business relationships, the evident stamp of the Spirit of God. There is an uh, illustration given to us in John chapter 12 and verse 26. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man shall serve me, uh, him will my father honor. And I thought, and as as I was studying this and reading through this, I I read this this quote from from uh, F. B. Meyer, and when he said that, uh, oh, that we might carry with us even into business relationships the evident stamp of the Spirit of God. I was I challenged my thought, my own thinking. What what do people in the community here in Fernley think about Rick Lynn? Do they think he's a nice guy? Do they think he's a no, they don't think I'm smart. Um, yeah, I mean I could go through a whole bunch of adjectives, but the, the reality is this I want everybody I come in contact to know that I have a savior named Jesus Christ that I love. That's my desire. And that was Joseph's desire. A second thought that came to my mind as I was reading this was that it's one thing to know about what God says, but it's another thing to do what God says. Excuse me. Now, I want you to think about this. Pharaoh has a dream. Joseph interprets the dream. Then he gives him the solution to the problem. 
But what do you think would have happened had Pharaoh just said, yeah, I appreciate it, Joseph. I'm going to do what I want to do. What do you think would have happened? It would have been a disaster because the seven years of famine were coming whether, whether Pharaoh believed it or not. I want to make an application here because this is really, really important. One of my fears as a pastor, and I'm just, I'm being real here for just a moment. One of my fears as a pastor is that we know this book inside and out. You can tell your kids and your grandkids the stories that are in this book. You can, you can go through the, the individuals in the book and you can tell them like we are, uh, the study we're doing on the life of Joseph. You can tell them all about it. But this book doesn't change your life. That scares me to death. I, I, one of my fears is that I preach a sermon, I pour my life into developing a sermon, and I preach a sermon and I stand at the door and I shake your hand and you say to me, good sermon, Pastor, and you walk out the door and your life never changes. That scares me to death. See, it's not the, the thing that makes this story so exciting, if you would, for lack of better terms, the only words coming to my mind right now, is the fact that Pharaoh listened to Joseph. He didn't do what he wanted to do. He did what was right. James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and, and not a doer, he is likened, he is likened to a man beholdeth uh, his uh, natural face in a glass or a mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty or the word of God and continue therein, he, being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed of his deeds. We don't want to become a church full of just hearers. We want to be a church of people that are willing to do what God tells us to do. if we respond to situations and circumstances apart from the sovereignty of God, then we respond in our own flesh, and our own power. But if we respond to situations and circumstances in full awareness of the sovereignty of God, then we will respond in the Spirit, in His power. And that's exactly what Joseph did. Joseph understood that God was in control. He was in prison. He had, he had been lied about. He had been sold into slavery by his brother. All of these horrible things that happened, but he never lost focus that God was in control. 
So often we allow the circumstances of life to steal away from us the fact that God is in control. We can never lose that focus. We see the interpretation, the, the, the emphasis, and the instructions. Do what God says to do. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love, and thank you for the, the word of God that is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And we, we thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, as we close our service, I do ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would encourage us and that you would help us to see and to know how much you love us. Thank you for all that you do. With every head bowed,